read this text. I can't help but remember the context in which I first preached on it during my very first year of ministry. Fifteen years ago, four members of a Christian peacemaking team were abducted in Iraq. Their presence in the Middle East stood in contrast to the United States military involvement. Ultimately, three of the peacemakers were freed. The sole American, Tom Fox, was eventually killed by his kidnappers. As I anticipated lighting the rose-colored candle of joy, preach about Mary's glorious song of praise, two statements weighed heavily on my heart. One was from Tom Fox, words he had written before setting out to Iraq. He wrote, we are throwing ourselves open to the possibility of God's grace, bringing some rays of light to the shadowy landscape that is Iraq. We are letting ourselves be guided by something that is beyond rational, intellectual analysis. Gardens beneath which rivers flow can again be the dwelling place for the people of Iraq. Everyone whose government and corporations are playing a role in this land needs to throw open the book of their heart. They need to let their light run before them as they bring redemption to those in power who are seeking to rule from a place of fear, violence, and shadows. That truly would be the highest achievement. Those words struck me as remarkably relevant to the Advent season. The other statement was from a popular radio host who had this to say about the kidnapping. Anytime a bunch of people that walk around with their head in the sand practicing a bunch of irresponsible, idiotic theory confront reality, I'm kind of happy about it because I'm eager for people to see reality, change their minds if necessary, and have things sized up. Those words gutted me. Honestly, I still haven't learned not to be gutted by polemics such as this. Only it dawned on me then, as now, that radio host might have actually been right about one thing. He called prophetic Christianity a bunch of irresponsible, idiotic theory. According to the standards of the world, Christianity is irresponsible and idiotic. And it is our most idiotic doctrines 
that help me weave my way back to a place where hope is real, peace is possible, and joy is again in the air. My soul magnifies the Lord, Mary sings. Now here is a girl who is unmarried and impoverished, who has recently been visited by an angel with a very peculiar message. Mary had every reason to run screaming from this angel, every cause to consider him an angel of darkness, not a messenger of the Lord. But she doesn't reject God's ridiculous plan to inhabit her womb. She hurries to see her cousin Elizabeth, and she breaks into song. This great hymn of praise has empowered the oppressed and unnerved oppressors for millennia. Mary, who knows our Creator so intimately, she carries the Son of God, dreams of a God who reaches down and touches the pain of God's people. This God lifts up the victims of economic poverty and political violence and draws them close the way a mother hen gathers her chicks beneath her wings. And this God sends the proud packing, the powerful and corrupt kings who are fluent in the ways of violence and domination are deposed. The rich who have hoarded the stuff of creation for their own purposes are sent away with nothing to show for their greed. In these Advent weeks, we prepare to hear the Christmas story again in all its foolishness, and in all its glory. We remember that the King of kings and Lord of lords makes himself at home in swaddling clothes, in a manger. And the Magnificat proclaims that because of this, things are going to change. Oppression will give way to justice. Tears will flow into rivers of laughter. The high and mighty will be humbled, and a poor, unmarried mother will give birth to the Savior. At the same time that Mary sings her revolutionary anthem, though, nothing has yet changed on the surface. God's time is not our own. Mary claims that God has brought down the powerful from their thrones, but the Roman Empire still continues to dominate the Israelites in their own hand. Mary professes that God has filled the hungry with good things, but famine still plagues the peoples of the earth. How can Mary's very soul be bursting with glimmering joy when there is so much reason to tremble with fear 
and quake with sorrow. It's irresponsible. It's idiotic. And yet, I believe with my whole heart that every word of Mary's dream is true. The magnification of God that emanates from Mary's soul, that jeweled core of every human being, is deeply, radically, and eternally true. The joy of Christmas is all about entrusting ourselves to God's dream of redeeming creation. With the birth of this child, the trajectory of history shall be transformed. To be sure, things are not yet right. This much we are sure of. We believe that God created the world to be a garden of praise and life, not a den of pain and death. It isn't right that bodies deteriorate and die. Young people shouldn't be killed in senseless accidents. Neighborhoods shouldn't be dominated by guns. Waters shouldn't be polluted by toxins. And to put it plainly, pandemics should not exist. But God is moving. God is moving, and a pregnant young girl bears witness to the glory at hand. A beautiful change is in gestation. The final triumph of life over death is inevitable. The child developing within Mary, who causes John the Baptist to jump for joy within his mother's womb, will grow into a king whose reign is everlasting. And the words he will use to illuminate his mission at the beginning of his ministry are the same words we read from the prophet Isaiah. He is the anointed one. He has been sent to bring good news. Indeed, he is the good news. Everything is going to change, all because God is enfolded into a human being. Intervention by incarnation. It may be irresponsible and idiotic to trust the impassioned dreams of a virgin and a prophet. Good. Blessed are we who are made fools for Christ. The same Spirit of God that came upon Isaiah and overshadowed Mary still moves among us today. The light is bright now, though we are still living in the darkness. Now we pray fervently for our struggling youth and our isolated elders. Now we petition anxiously for our loved ones to make it to the other side of this long, dark winter. 
And even now we rejoice. For through the lens of the Magnificat, we dream of roses blooming and justice flowing and a world restored to joy. So, let us join our souls with Mary's to magnify the Lord. Amen. Let us join our voices and our responses.